Wow, that looks good out there, all those chairs filled up. A big welcome from myself to this um, conference. We're just so glad that you could be here this weekend and we just pray that you're going to be blessed out of your socks. The idea is to come and just sit and be blessed and let God do some mighty works in each of our lives. If we're just all open to him, he will do some wonderful things. It's my um, pleasure this evening to introduce our speaker, Pastor Dale Kinney. I feel a bit funny calling you that. <laughs> we were working it out today when we were having coffee that um, I've known Dale for 24 years and um, she's a daughter of the house. She um, was raised up out of this church <laughs> to where she is today and we are so proud of that in a good way, in a mighty way. Um, now, my earliest memories of her are as a very shy young girl. And, um, but I've been privileged to share in some of the significant times of her life, such as her marriage and the birth of her children, especially her firstborn, Anna. And um, over the years, I've seen her grow in confidence and her relationship with God. I remember when we went to Rodney Howard Brown in 1997 where God touched both our lives along with many others from this church. After this encounter with God, I have seen her develop more and more into the woman that God wants her to be. Today, along with her husband, Philip, they pastor South Central Church in the southern suburbs of Perth. Now, no doubt Dale will be sharing more of her life with you all over the weekend. I know that you'll be blessed as she is a capable woman of God with a strong anointing, and I mean strong. Let us welcome Pastor Dale, Phil, uh, Dale Kinney. Thank you, Pauline, and the wonderful worship team. Um, that last song we sung, that was actually, that nearly had me in tears, actually. I don't know who chose that tonight, but uh, that was the last song that I heard my younger brother, Sean, play as he drove off in his car, and it was the last time I saw him before he went to be with the Lord, so it's a pretty special song to me, and uh, he kind of is my, when I feel like I might want to step back a little bit, God kind of goes, come on, because I have a you know, a host of heaven cheering me on and, uh, you know, as the saints cheering us on. So my brother's up there going, woohoo, tonight. And uh, I just think that was God's little reminder when that song was chosen. So thank you, whoever that was. Uh, that was just lovely for me. Um, I'd like us to pray. Is that all right? Let's pray together. Lord, we just thank you that we can come here tonight to this awesome place, Kalgoorlie, Lord, that is special to you and special to me and special to all those here, Lord, because you have brought us to this place for this time. Holy Spirit, I welcome you. We welcome you on this place to have your way tonight. Lord, would you flow through every aisle upon each person here. Lord, do a new thing in us. Revive us, refresh us, restore us, Lord. Pour out living water upon us tonight, Holy Spirit. We make way for you. We make room for you in our lives. Have your way this whole weekend, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. And we all said, Amen. Um, if you've got your Bibles or your phones or gadgets, whatever, uh, with you, I want to turn with me to Isaiah chapter 43. It's in the middle of your Bibles if you're looking for it. Or scroll down. And my church is mostly scrolling down. But uh, Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 19. Or verse 18 is a good place to start too. Verse 18 says, Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And that's our um, passage for the whole weekend. And that's the theme of this weekend, that God would do a new thing. And to forget the former things, to forget the past. You know, even we can have great encounters with God. And if you know Jesus, you know that he's done something in your life. Or if you don't know Jesus, well, this is where you're going to meet him. You're here for an appointed time and a season as this, so hold on to your hats. Yeah? 
because God is here and he's in our midst and I know that he wants us to do a mighty thing to this weekend. I just have had it brewing in my spirit for a couple of weeks and I've had it confirmed. People have been praying and they've been texting me saying, hey, hey, God's going to do something this weekend. So I am very excited because God's, God's on the move. So get ready. But uh, I want you to just, just to uh, remember that God specializes in new beginnings. The Bible says that when we come into a relationship with Jesus and ask him for, to forgive us and cleanse us, we are given new life. The old is gone and we are given a new name. We're a new creation. The past is gone. And when you talk about the past and you've asked God to forgive you of your sin, forgive you of the mess ups, forgive you of your guilt, and you start to bring it up, he's saying, what are you talking about? I don't remember anything like that because it's washed away. He says he cleanses us and removes our sin as far as the east is from the west. And it's like it's gone. And so when we look at our past, we see it through Jesus. And that's an awesome thing. And I can stand here tonight because of that. Because when I look at my past, I see Jesus. And when I look at my future, I see Jesus. And when I look at me now, I see Jesus. So that's pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah, and that's the same for you. So he says, forget the former things. Behold, I do a new thing. And this weekend, that's what I'm going to share about, how God is a God of new beginnings. He God who pours life into dry, barren places, and uh, he gives us life in it. And he wants to encourage us to take hold of that. And I, I don't think it's any coincidence that God is giving that message in the desert in Kalgoorlie. As I flew in, usually we drive, so it was nice today to, to fly in. And it was like, oh, I'm coming, I'm a bit like coming home. I had that sensation of, oh, look at that, and all the red dirt. And uh, when we were sitting at the airport, Philip and I, we could see where the Kalgoorlie people were because you get... <laughs> <laughs> red dirt on your shoes, but, you know, we've got red dirt in our veins, I think. Um, but this weekend, I just want to encourage us to take all hold of all that Jesus has to give us. You know, one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible is John chapter 10, and it says, The thief comes only in order to steal and to kill and destroy, but I have come, that's Jesus, I have come that you may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. You know, Jesus came that we might have life and have it to abundance, overflowing, superfluous, crazy, awesome life. You know, and the devil, he comes to kill, to steal, and to rob and destroy. So if you see something coming and it doesn't look like Jesus, you know where it's coming from. Because his plan, the devil, is to kill and destroy and take out the good things and steal from you. But Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly. And I want to speak that over us this weekend, that Jesus comes to give us life and life more abundantly. You know, the verse preceding, what I read before is verse 18, says, Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now, when Isaiah was speaking this, he was speaking to the nation of Judah, who has been called to forget when they had struggled to be a nation among nations, to forget how they had sinned as a nation and have been unfaithful. And God was saying, Do not be afraid, I am your redeemer, I am your rescuer. And we look at that scripture, it's a prophetic scripture, and it's saying, forget the things that where you were in captivity. Forget where you were, um, you know, sinning and, and shame and guilt on you. Forget where you might have been hurt or disappointed in the past because I am your redeemer and I have rescued you. And that's what he's saying to us tonight is forget the former things, take hold, behold, I am doing a new thing. So I want to encourage us tonight and all this weekend to forget the former things and take hold of everything new that God has for us. He says, I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burdened. For I am the Lord your God, the one who saved you. He is our Redeemer. Can we give a shout? You know, you can get excited about that. God constantly and faithfully speaks his love to us. When we are far from him, he reaches out and grabs hold of us. Amen. He reaches out and he grabs hold of us and says, hey, and he woos us with his love. He speaks hope and a future to us. You know, and I'm going to preach a sermon tomorrow morning about how God is good. About above all, if you can know that God is good and base your faith on that and base the foundation of what you believe on the fact that God is good. If we can grab hold of that, anything is possible. 
Because you look at your life and you look at your future, you look at your present and you say, without a doubt, God is good. And what he said is going to happen. What he said, he is faithful to complete. When he says something, he is alert and active, watching over his word to perform it. And that he is good. Anything that doesn't look like it's good, you can question if it's from God. And sometimes as people, and especially as women, we can, you know, just kind of let things happen. And let things happen in our families, let things happen and, and have stuff spoken over us, and it's not good. And we need to know where things are not good and go, you know what, that sounds like it's from the stinking devil. And draw a line in the sand and say, you know what, that is not from God, and so you can just take a hike. You can get feisty, yeah? We're allowed to be feisty. We don't have to be afraid, we don't have to be timid, we can be feisty. You know, when something comes and I, I was speaking to my mum, there she is in the second row down there. And uh, she wasn't feeling very well. And I said, Mum, you need to get feisty. Give her a wave. We're wondering who you are now, Mum. Give a wave. <laughs> There's my mum. You're allowed to get feisty. And, you know, I learnt how to be feisty from my mum. <laughs> feisty in the things of God. Because in the natural, I was timid and shy and I would step back. And, and she often looks and goes, I don't recognise you. But, uh, you know, with God, all things are possible. And you might look at me and go, well, you can get up there and preach and you can speak and you can lead a church, you can do all these things. But with God, it is only with God that I can do that. He's put a fire in my heart, a fire in my belly. He's anointed me with the Holy Spirit. He's anointed me to preach and to preach the gospel and to set the captives free, to heal up the brokenhearted. That's what I've anointed to do. And he's anointed me to be a wife and he's anointed me to be a mother of six kids and a son-in-law. And uh, he's anointed me to do those things, and he's anointed you too. You know, he's given us an anointing of ease. It doesn't have to be hard. Yeah? It doesn't have to be hard. We can ask for that anointing to do anything that we have to do. He says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's you not know, just a nice little verse in the Bible. That's actually power, kick-butt verse. And you can get feisty with it. I can do all things. I have the mind of Christ. I am set free. I am redeemed. I am rescued. I am called. He knows your name. He says that you are precious in his sight and he remembers you. I can say it to a woman. He knows every hair upon your head. Yeah, I get in trouble when I say that in my church. There's a few baldies, but, you know, we've all got mostly here. So God is good and he desperately wants to share his goodness and blessing with us. So tonight I just want to share my story a little bit and give you a little bit of um, background about who I am. And I'm going to show some photos in a minute of my, my crew and my, my tribe, as I call them. And uh, they're lovely. I do have six children. My oldest, Anna, is 21, and my youngest is Isaac, and he's just turned four. And uh, they keep me busy. And uh, um, I am 42 years old, if you're wondering. And uh, I did meet my lovely husband, who is Elsie. Elsie, give a... They all know who you are. This is Elsie, my mother-in-law, and I married her second son, Philip, and he was the best of the crop. And uh, <laughs> he's as cute as anything, and, uh, and at the moment I saw him, he knocked me off my feet, and that was the end of that. And, uh, well, he might say it was me that did it, but anyway. Um, I, have, I have the privilege of pastoring the beautiful people of South Central Church in Perth. They, they are lovely and they love me to bits and I love them and it's a pleasure to pastor them. Sometimes as a minister, you can be in churches where it sometimes isn't always pleasant, but I know that's not here. But uh, some places I have pastored, it can be, you know, you can get a few knocks. But the people of South Central, uh, they would follow us anywhere, I reckon, because <laughs> they have. We planted with the team and uh, we're growing the church. We started in our house. And uh, the neighbours were very understanding, would let us park on their lawn and then their driveways, but it just got too full. And so we're at the moment um, hired at the community centre and we're looking to buy land. And uh, our vision is to actually start a school because um, there is just a need for schools where, you know, you can preach the gospel every day of the week. And uh, to be able to just nurture those kids and it's, it's a mission to just reach out, and so it's a missional school. So that's something that we just think and go, how are we going to do this? But you know, when God is for us, who can be against us? So we're on the path to do that at the moment, and, and uh, we've been meeting about buying land and buildings and all those things, and, and uh, so I lead the church, and Philip works full-time, and uh, he, he's a pastor with me, but he's kept very busy with all the stuff that he does. And uh, so, you know, but when I came here, as Pauline said before, I was just this timid, 
shy, really quite sick. I was physically unwell and, uh, and uh, God just turned my life around. And so it is a bit like coming home when I come here and I get a kick because I, can, I just remember how much where God has taken me from. And it's good to look back in the sense of good things as long as you don't camp out there. Now, when God says forget the former things, he's not saying not forget all the things I've done. You know, he says to make markers, and all through the Bible you see that they'd set up these little stones, memorials, because that reminds you what God has done. But don't camp out there because God has a future and a hope for us. We don't want to stay back in the past, but we can remember the good things God has done. And so when I come back to Kagulia, I remember the good things God has done in my life. And uh, so I am, a, I am the pastor of the beautiful people of South Central Church, but I am a wife of Philip, and uh, he was born and raised here in Kagoolie, and we, I met him when I was 17 years old, and we got married when I was 19, and he was 19, and uh, we've been married for nearly 23 years now. And, you know, I am very blessed. He has, um, from the moment I met him, inspired and encouraged me to, to be the best person I can be. You know, when I was thinking I can't do things, he would say, yes, you can. When he'd say, get up and look in the mirror and see how beautiful and awesome you are. And uh, so God just used that wonderful man and I'm very privileged to be his wife. Um, together we have six children. There's Anna and I'll just get Ruth to pop up a photo if that's okay. Uh, now this is my beautiful daughter Anna. She is 21 and she got married one month ago. And this is our lovely Ivan. He's our son-in-law. He's all the way from South Africa. And uh, thanks. <laughs> Who was that? <laughs> and uh, thanks, Ruth. Next one. Uh, this is them. He bought her these boots because she got married in the middle of winter. But we had a beautiful sunny day. And they got married in this rustic little church. And then we, they found this building in the middle of nowhere. So they had some fun with the photos. Thanks, Ruth. And that's all our crew. You'll see Philip and my oldest son, Benjamin, and my littlest Little man, that's Isaac, then Anna and Ivan, there's me, and there's Chantelle in the white dress, and Rebecca next to me, and Shara. So they range from, here we think, 21, 14, 18, 7, 4, and 11. There you go. <laughs> so that's, that's my lovely lot, and uh, Ivan, he just turned 22. And uh, I'm, I keep track of him, and uh, he actually works for us as well, and he is our youth intern, so I have this little balancing act of being his mother-in-law as well as uh, his boss. <laughs> but he loves me, and uh, he cleans up the kitchen for me when the kids leave it in a great big mess, and I just love him to bits. I think he, you know, there's a verse in Ephesians 3.20 um, that says that God will do super abundantly above all that you can ask or dream or dare to imagine, and I actually spoke to Ivan at his wedding, and as in part of my speech, and I said, you know what, you're an answer to that, um, that prayer, that God just does above all that you can dream. And you know, when you have daughters, and I have four of them, and you think, oh, God, just bring along nice men for them, and uh, he did. He's, he's pretty cool. And even if he had to bring them from the other ends of the earth. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> those in South Africa. Um, where am I? So you can see that God has really blessed me. You know, I, I'm a wife, I'm a pastor, and I'm a mother, and I'm a mother-in-law, and all those things. And, but, you know, it hasn't always been like that. The picture hasn't always been like that. I grew up in the South Island of New Zealand, and I have um, two sisters and a brother, Sean, who passed away 13 years ago in a plane crash, where some of you might remember the ghost flight that ended up in the middle of... Queensland, where um, my brother was on that flight. But he actually grew up in his teenage years in this church and loved the Lord. And a lot of you, if you're around that time, will remember him. And he was an awesome man of God, and he is rejoicing and partying tonight in heaven, I reckon. So um, I was blessed to have a mum who shared Jesus with me from a very young age. And so I don't really remember not knowing Jesus. I don't remember... Um, you know, not knowing who Jesus is. From a very young age, I knew him. And I would sit out on the hills because I grew up in, the farm, in a farm in the South Island of New Zealand in the middle of nowhere, and it was very cold and wet. But uh, <laughs> I would sit out when it was fine, up on the hill, and I would watch the sheep, because there's a lot of them, and, uh, and dream, and I would just talk to the Lord. So from a very young age, a mum would go, what's she doing out there? But I was just, you know, chatting away to God. And so he kind of... 
He wooed me from this very young age. He just captivated my heart. And when I was seven, I got this revelation that Jesus was coming back. And it was so strong on me that I would go to bed at night and I'd pull the blinds back and I'd say, Mum, is he coming? Because I heard, you know, Mum must have shared or somebody shared with me that Jesus is coming back and he's going to come through the clouds and the angels are going to come in and he's blowing the trumpets and he's going to come and triumph and whiskers all up to heaven. And so I was so, like, I would just say, is he coming yet? And I'd be looking out the window and I'd get on the bus in the morning and my headmaster would say to my mum, she's evangelizing everybody on the bus. She's telling them, oh, Jesus is coming back. And uh, so I was a little evangelist as a seven-year-old. But, uh, you know, things happen. And eventually, you know, little bit by little bit, that boldness and that revelation that Jesus, you know, is coming back kind of got knocked out of me. And uh, I was, a, I was a quite a bad asthmatic. And then when I was 11, I got a disease in my knees. And so I had chronic pain for until I was 18 years old with that. And by the time I actually was healed, I had spread to pretty much every joint. My elbows, my wrists, my, my neck, my everything. And it would hurt. It would hurt to walk. It would hurt to sit. It would just hurt all the time. And I'd had a couple of knee operations. And the end, the surgeon said, you know what, Dale? If you're a horse, we'd shoot you. And uh, they couldn't do anything, lovely man. But uh, he just couldn't do anything. I'd had physio, I'd had acupuncture, I'd had needles and all, you know, exercise and nothing would work. So I wasn't a very well little chicken. But uh, on top of that, my parents uh, did not have the happiest of marriages. And my dad didn't really understand church. And so at 13 years old, um, my mum was um, full on into um, like a, a church that the Holy Spirit was moving. And I just wanted to know God. So I would jump in the car and say, yes, mum, I'll come with you. And I remember when I was 13 years old, my dad coming out and saying, if you go to church, I'm going to disown you. And I just looked and went, you know what, dad, I love you. And I was my dad's favourite, I can say that. But I, I just wanted to be with Jesus and, know, and be around the things of Jesus. So I chose. And my dad got over it. And uh, he was very proud of me by that. when he died, passed away a few years back. He, he, I knew he was proud of me for the woman that I had become and the preacher that I'd become. And he'd just shake a head and, you know, I'd get on the phone and say, hey, go on daily and all. So, you know, God can restore things. And he did. But at 13 years old, I had to make the decision that I was going to follow Jesus, even if it meant that my dad wasn't pleased about it. And I did. And I haven't regretted it. Um, when I was 14, we moved to Perth. Uh, my mum is from here. And uh, my dad had gone bankrupt and we'd had to leave the farm and he wanted a fresh start. And I really did struggle through my teenage years. I was sick a lot. I had, as I said, asthma and chronic pain and lots of operations. And then my parents separated when I was 16. And strangely enough, I, I always threatened that I would write a little soapy. They lived on the same street and <laughs> they moved to Kalgoorlie. And, um, but I was stayed in Perth to finish my schooling. So I was sick, I was in pain, I um, was lonely and I was a little bit lost. And, uh, you know, when you're like that, you just kind of go, you know, what's going on? But I just muddled along because I'm that kind of just muddle along and get through things and I did. But in amongst that, God, you know, he saw me. Because he sees us when we're struggling. He sees us when things are hard. He sees us when we might be feeling lost or lonely or hurt. And he sees us when we're in pain. And he reached out and uh, took hold of me. And I met a young girl in my school and I started going to a tiny little brethren church. Have we got any brethren or past brethren in the house? Yeah. (laughs) So uh, now you've got to remember that I was shy. I didn't like getting up in front of people. If I had to do tutorial at school where you had to stand up front, I'd have a sickie and I'd disappear. And uh, so I was very shy and timid. So the brethren, um, women are not encouraged to speak in public. So I went to a service where that you would wait on God to move and then the men would get up and speak. And uh, so I thought that was great. So <laughs> I didn't have to talk ever. And uh, But... I, I learned some things about God there and God was there. I'd be sitting in the service and I'd just get goosebumps all over me. And I was like, oh. And the person next to me would go, oh. You know, because it was such a tangible manifestation on my arms of something happening. I learned later, well, that's the Holy Spirit on me. So even in, you know, where all that kind of place where you think, oh, well, is God moving? Well, God was moving and he was touching me. And I just, you know, kind of muddled along and learned about him. And, you know, God had been there all along. I just needed to turn and listen to him and see what he was saying about my life. Because we all have a destiny. 
And when you mess up, he has new things to give us if you'll come to him and listen up. Isaiah 44 and verse 3 and 4 says, For I pour water on him who is thirsty and floods on the dry ground. I'll pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. They will spring up among the grass like willows by the watercourses. And that's what God did in my life. He poured water like rivers on me. And where I'd been hurting and where I'd been uh, lonely and where I'd been disappointed with life, he came and, uh, and restored me and renewed me and set my life really round, you know, roundabout. <laughs> um, I came to visit my mum and dad, who both lived in Kalgoorlie, um, and I'd just finished high school and got into university, but I came to visit and God just invaded my life. And I ended up staying. I didn't go to uni at that time and... Uh, He invaded my plans, which he always does. You know, the Bible says that I know the plans I have for you, plans to give you a hope and a future. It doesn't say, I know the plans that you have about you. He says, I know the plans I have about you. Quite often we're going, God, you know my plan. But he's going, no, no, I know my plan. Yeah? So he invaded my plans and turned them all around and uh, I started going church here and I ended up coming... Uh, the Sunday before, these lot who, <laughs> who were here at the time, there was Pauline and, and all the, you know, there's a few of the front row, uh, and um, they're just coming back from a John Wimber conference where it was all about the Holy Spirit moving and, and just God invading your life, really. And uh, I came the week before and I was like, oh, yeah, that's all right. And then the next week I came and it was like, wow, what's going on here? And that's where I first met Philip. And uh, God just took hold of me and changed everything from there forever. I was introduced to Holy Spirit in a new way and he poured living, fresh life into me. And he, hurt, and he healed up all the hurt, barren places in my life. And with that, he, I was able to forgive. I hadn't spoken to my dad for two years and uh, I was able to forgive him and let it go. I uh, forgave myself for messing up in some areas. You know, you get into relationships in your teenage years sometimes or even older and, and I was able to just... Say, Lord, just take that away. I just asked for your forgiveness and he washed it, washed me clean. And um, I, sp- and I ended up talking to my dad and uh, just, you know what, I let go and let God in. And I encourage you, if you're looking at your life and you're going, oh, God, what's going on? Or God, I've just messed up. Or God, everything's not working out. Just let go and let God. Just, ah. Because sometimes we're just, and especially us ladies can do it very well. We're just, we can get into this anxious little tailspin, you know, and, and God's just saying, just breathe and let go and let God. You know, there's a scripture that says, cast all your cares upon Jesus because he cares for you. And I teach my kids uh, to picture a big bucket. Sometimes it needs to be one of those big skip bins that you get out on the front verge, but a big bucket and just to... You know, that's what it means by casting on your cares, just sticking all your worries and cares in like a big bucket and then going, Jesus, you have that. I don't have to carry that because remember, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And so that's what I did. I learned to do that and Holy Spirit, he just hung out with me and, and taught me and healed me. And I met Philip at that time when we were married and uh, he, God, God healed me at that time. He touched my body as I, as, as I just let go and let God, he restored me on the inside and put fresh vision on the inside of me. And then he started to heal me physically. I was healed of asthma, just like that. You know, a week before I'd been in the hospital, not being able to breathe. And, uh, you know, there's nothing like being able to go, it's awesome, it's awesome. And I was, I was 18 years old and I'm now 42 and I haven't had a spot of asthma since that day. So God is good. Above all, God is good and he is our healer. And then on top of that with this chronic knee pain, God touched my body. Bang, 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 bang. Elbows, wrists, knees, joints, everything, just like that. Totally gone. From one moment where I could not walk up the stairs, could not walk around to the next day, and then I'd had prayer and then I pushed in and then God just came through because God is a God of the breakthrough. So hold on to him because he is the God of the breakthrough. Amen. So I was healed and I was set free on the inside, on the outside. And uh, you know, I, I jumped the most in our church. Yeah, anybody been to a service? I jump around the most. I think when Brett and Sarah came, I had them all doing the conga line around the church. 
But uh, that was good. It was actually a young man got saved that day, so that was pretty cool. But uh, it's nothing like just having your body restored. So I encourage you, if you've been believing God for healing, you've been believing God for breakthrough in your life, hold on. Hold on and press into him because God is faithful and he is watching over his word to perform it. And just hold on to him and he will break through for you because he is faithful and just and he is... um, and he loves us. You know, it hasn't always been easy, though. That sounds like it's all, you know, la, la, la. But it hasn't always been easy. When you get married at 19 and you have your first baby at 20, just off 21, and so you have all those things called finances and uh, all the practicality. And, the, and in the middle of it, God calls you to ministry. So here we are, just, you know, 20-year-olds, just had a little baby, and we used to live in the manse, which is no longer there, is it? There's a supermarket there. But we used to live in the church manse, and... Um, then we bought our first little house, um, and, you know, God was cool there. Somebody just gave us $10,000 for our first house, and we are able. Now, that seems like probably a lot, not a lot now, but then it was a deposit. And uh, so God is faithful, but we had to learn that God is a God who provides. And uh, I'll just share something about lovely Pauline, because she is like one of my mums, and uh, she might have forgotten. But one night, we were at the end of our week, and so at the end of our money. And we were still learning that we can ask God to provide and that he's interested, you know, because I'd come from a background where I didn't make a fuss. I'm the second child of four and I didn't like to make a fuss. And um, so he didn't like to ask God for things. And uh, one night Philip's sitting there and we're eating two-minute noodles because they were like, you could buy, I don't know how many packs for 50 cents back then. But um, so we're like, Saturday, Sunday, we're on noodles and then you get paid and you could buy groceries. And uh, so we're sitting there and, look, and Philip goes, Lord, I'd really like a roast dinner. And I went, oh, okay, lamb roast, please, Lord. <laughs> well, you could ask and you'll, be, you'll get. So anyway, next minute, <laughs> next minute, there's a ding on the doorbell and there's Pauline standing there with two roast dinners. <laughs> and he said... Here, we thought you'd might just like these. I said, oh, great. Okay, thank you. I said, hey, you better keep on praying, honey. <laughs> so we happily ate those up. Now, Philip loves his food. And so he goes, oh, thank you, Lord. Some sweets would be good now. And ne- next minute, ding dong. Hello, would you like some sweets too? And it was apple crumble and custard, Philip's favourite thing. And uh, there was Pauline standing there. She didn't know we'd been praying. <laughs> so she was just a messenger. Anyway, we're like, oh, that was pretty good. But, you know, God is not a two-minute noodle God. He's a roast dinner God. And so you know what he did next? You know, when he says that he lavishes his love upon us and that, you know, I have come to give you fullness and abundant life, that means also you can get fed too. And Pauline comes back and she says, here, here's dinner for tomorrow and the next two nights too because we had spare dinners left over. They had a board meeting over here and some people hadn't shown up, so we got fed. So, uh, but, you know, God, he just, they could have sent it off or they could have taken it home to the give house or anything, but it went to us because we dared to ask. After that day, I learned that I could ask God for things. So I started to ask and God started to look after me, you know, and, and it's like step by step, we just have learned that when we have a need, we can sow a seed, you know, where we've had times where there's nothing in the cupboard except one meal. And we said, all right, God. Because when you church plant, you've got you to work in faith. And so God asked us sometimes to step out in faith. Well, we didn't really know where the next paycheck was coming from. And so we'd be at the end of our, end of our food and he'd say, right, well, you give. You give that. And he says, and you believe that when you give, you shall receive. So we'd make a meal with our last meal and send it off to somebody we knew that was having a hard day. Next minute, there would be somebody, you know, there'd be a check on, in the mail or there'd be somebody saying, here, I felt to give you that. And so God just looked after us. But we learned step by step by stepping out and trusting him that God provides your every need. And he does it, you know, with our, with our finances, with cars, with just, you know, we gave... We were driving this car and it broke down and we'd been praying for a better car and a bigger car because our family was growing. And uh, we said, Lord, you know, we need a new car. And then the car that we had broke down. We're like, great. So we said, okay, well, God is our provider. His word is true. We're going to stand on it and believe it. And so we said, all right, Lord, what are you going to do about this? He says, I want you to give your car away. I said, well, our car doesn't work. He says, all right, well, I'm going to send somebody to, if, to you know, fix your car. So they, 
There was a phone call the next day. We said nothing to anybody. Hey, I heard your car was broken down. Would you like some money to fix it? And so we said, okay. So the car got fixed and then we said, Lord, who would you like to give it, us to give it to? And he said, I want you to give it to this person. Now, we didn't know what was going on in that person's life, but they had come to a service here. We're in Perth and they're in Kalgoorlie. They come to a service here and he, had, and he said, Lord, the, the, the service had been on giving and tithing and just been obedient to God's word. And they said, all right, I'm not a tither. I've never given, and, but I'm going to take you at your word. I need a car. So I'm going to start giving. So they put money in the offering for the first time like, and they said, well, I'm going to be tither from now on and give like your word says. And so we, we just felt, we prayed and we felt to ring this person. We didn't know that was going on up here. And we said, hey, we've got our car fixed and we're going to sow it as a seed. We, we're believing for a car so we're going to give it to you. And they just said, no, no, we can't take it. And she said, no, you can't steal the blessing from us. We need to give you that car. Come on now, just take it. So I said, all right. And then they told us the story. You see, God, you just have to walk in obedience because he has a plan. I know the plans I have for you, not you know the plans. I know the plans. So we just got to walk in obedience. So we learn step by step. And sometimes you come to a hard place and you go, Lord, what are you doing? But he always came through for us. Food would multiply supernaturally in our cupboard. It's like, how are we going to last the week? But it was there. And he was just gracious and, and looked after us. And he's still doing it. He still looks after us. We just paid for our daughter's wedding and we looked at it and went, how are we going to do this? And uh, but we paid it. We paid the whole thing and, uh, and, you know, had money to spare to be able to bless them. Because God is a God who just looks after our every need. He is faithful and he is good. So I want you to just know this weekend that even though it can be hard, even though it can be stretching, even though believing and trusting God can be difficult, if you step out and you trust him and you hold on to him and believe for good things, that God is good. God is good. And that we don't have to be afraid. And God has a plan for us. It says um, that he wants to pour out his love and pour out his refreshing on those hard places in our lives. You know, um, the other thing that we learned in that time, you know, I said I was healed, but I had a second daughter that you saw up on the screen. She is a beautiful young lady. She just turned 18. And, uh, but when she was a little girl, she had chronic ex- eczema. And uh, she was covered from head to toe with it. She was in hospital, in and out, and I would have to cover her with, I don't know if anybody knows anything about eczema, but with wet dressings. You cover her with cream, then you put wet clothes on her, then you cover her with dry clothes and you make her sit there. Now, if anybody has a two-year-old, you know that's interesting. <laughs> and uh, Shara is our flamboyant daughter and uh, she lets you know when she's not impressed. So at two, she did let us know when she wasn't impressed. But we just kept on pushing in for her healing. But uh, we learned that just because you've got circumstances in front of you that might look the opposite to what God's word says, if you keep on holding on, God comes through. And I would say to her as a little girl, Shara, find a spot. And it literally was find a spot where there's no eczema. Just find one little spot. And I know I would teach her God's word. One day your skin is going to be beautiful and clear and people are going to say what beautiful skin she has. You know what? That's what people say about her now. She is a beautiful skin. She's as olive. She's not like me. And she is, uh, she's uh, stunning. And uh, people do. They say, look, at your skin is so beautiful. The kids, when she was going through high school, would say to her, your skin is so lovely. And I would just say, that's God. That's God coming through. But we had to learn that. You know, it's, you can hear stories. You go, oh, yeah, but they've never gone through that. Well, I, we've gone through stuff. And we've just learned that God is faithful. You've got to push in sometimes. You've got to kick devil butt sometimes. You've got to reject the curse some, you know, a lot of the time. And, uh, but God is faithful and he is good. And uh, when we are in a hard place, he says he will refresh and restore us and give us strength and that he pour out his blessing upon us and that he'll give us renewed vision and a fresh start. And I know that that's what he's done for me and I know that's what he wants to do for all of us. So tonight, if you're saying, I need a fresh start and I need God to break through for me, and I need to have renewed vision and I need to know God in a way where he is real to me. You're in an ideal place. 
You're in an ideal place if you're going, God, I need to know you. God, I need a fresh start. God, I need renewed vision. God, I need to know that you are real. Because he says, when you have that cry in your heart, he says, you are thirsty. Because sometimes we can get a little bit complacent, can't we? Everything's cool. We like to be comfortable, don't we? We love to, we crave comfort, yeah? But when we are in a place where we are thirsty and we want more of God, that is the place that he loves to have us. Not that he causes bad things to happen, he doesn't. But often we can just get so comfortable with our little old life that we forget God. It says when you're in your nice houses and you've got everything you want, don't forget me. And he says when you're thirsty, he says then I can pour out water on us and floods on the dry ground. And God says he will pour a spirit on us and bless our offspring. That's a promise. Now I've got some, uh, what's the time, Pauline? I've got no clock around me. <laughs> it's nine o'clock. I'm not even close to finishing. Oh dear. Are you hungry? Are you hungry for Jesus? Yeah. Oh, that's all right then. I wanted to show you quickly uh, Lake Eyre. I said that right. I have a New Zealand accent. So now this is um, Lake Eyre in drought, where it is dry and crusty and nothing is growing. Next one, please, Ruth. See that? Does anything grow in a place like that? No. But Lake Eyre was in drought for 10 years and they said there there was never going to be any water and it, again, it would never flood like it did. But in 2009, you know what it started to do? It started to rain. It started to rain. And see, those, those are the rivers. Those are the um, kind of streams that started to flow all the way into the middle of Australia. Because Lake Eyre is in the middle of Australia and it's this inland lake. But it dries up and it's like crusty and nothing there until it starts to rain further up. And then it floods through these streams straight into that lake. Thanks, Bruce. And it looks like that. Yeah? It looks like that. And then things start to grow in it. Where there was nothing but that dry, crusty earth, then things start to spring up because there's been little seeds in there in that dirt and there's little microorganisms in that dirt. And then the birds come from everywhere into an inline, inland lake. They come and they start to, flowers start to spring up and there's like carpets of flowers and there's life in that place. You know, I, and I, I started to prepare for this weekend and God spoke to me about that lake and said, what happened in the natural realm? Because that lake, it had been in drought for 10 years and all the scientists were saying it'll never flood again. It'll never be water in it again like that. And yet then it started to rain. It started to rain in 2009 and then it rained again the next year and the next and the next. And God said, what is happening in the natural I am actually doing in the supernatural. And where people said there is drought and where God is not going to move and where revival was miles off, he says, I am doing in the supernatural just like what happened in that lake and where it will flow down through all the streams and the rivers and there will be rivers in the desert. So I got excited when Pauline spoke to me because there has been prophecy after prophecy about how God will pour out revival on Australia next that revival moves in a certain way around the globe and Australia is next. There has never been true revival covering Australia before, but we are next. And you know what? There's been prophecy about it's going to start in the desert. So you're in an ideal spot. Amen? You're in an ideal spot. And as I was preparing for this weekend, God started speaking about rivers of his spirit running, about flooding our nation, about renewing and revitalizing and bringing new life to us, and not just to us, but all around us. And God has a destiny for you here, and he's got a destiny for this nation, and he's got a destiny for this city. And he wants to start something here. He wants to start it, and I believe he wants to start it this weekend. And I've been getting words, and people have been confirming them, that he wants to pour out his spirit on us and to make the desert rejoice and blossom abundantly and rejoice that it, we will sing out with gladness. You know, there's been moves of the spirit in the 70s. Who's, who can remember the 70s? There's been move of the spirit in the 80s with the charismatic renewal. There's been move of the spirit in the 90s and 2000s with the Toronto Blessing and Rodney Howard Brown and John Wimber and all those. You know what? I've been in all of them. I've had a touch of 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s. So I can smell it. 
I can smell when God is on the move because you can sense it in your spirit because once you've had a touch of glory, you know when it's coming. And I say get under the spout where the glory comes out. Yeah, because he is on the move. And he's been speaking about me and he says that he is preparing and wanting to pour out a new wave of his power and blessing which will transform you and those around you. And this weekend, he is up to something. He is up to something. So I want to invite you this week to end, to let go of the former things. You remember what God has done, but you grab hold of what he is doing because he is up to something. And I just can feel it in my spirit. And allow God to do a new thing in you because he is doing a new thing. And whatever stuff you've got from the past, whatever stuff that you are holding onto, whatever unforgiveness or disappointment or hurt or any of that stuff that the devil comes to try and hold us back, like chains on us, because he says, run, run the race. Don't have these chains on you that hold you back because when you run the race, then you're going to be able to grab hold of the new. When you're so bogged down with the old, you can't grab hold of the new. And, you know, there was people that missed out on the Toronto blessing, blessing. There was people that missed out in the 70s and the 80s and 90s and 2000. And I don't want you to miss out. God doesn't want you to miss out. So if you are sitting here and you're going, oh, I've got some stuff. Well, you leave the stuff at the door. Leave the stuff and say, God, I just let it all go. I let it all go. I stick it in the care bucket and I let it go because I am making room for you to move because that is what God wants to do. And I was, I was preparing tonight before I came. God spoke to me from 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 44. You're ready for this. This is for you guys tonight. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 44. And it says, it's the story of Elijah and how it had not rained. It had not rained for three and a half years. And Elijah sent his servant up, to, up, onto, the, up onto, the, onto the hill and said, Can you see a cloud coming? Because God had said it's going to rain. And he said, Can you see a cloud coming? And, and his servant said, No, I can't see. And so Elijah would pray. And he said, Go and have a look again. And seven times he sent him up to look at the cloud. And I know there's been people praying for rain. I know there's been people praying for an outpour of the Spirit for years and years. And you've been going, Is it coming? Well, I'm telling you tonight, it's here. It's here and God said, you know what, God said I actually Facebooked it because my guys have been praying in Perth because they know when it hits here, it's going to run down. (laughs) Amen. And they know and they wanted to get here tonight and they're going, oh, can we come? I said, no, you just watch. It's going to run down. No, those rivers come from the inland lake and they run down so Perth's going to get it. But we're just going to start it here tonight. Yeah, because is that, you know what God said? He said, prepare yourselves for there is a sound of abundance of rain. Prepare yourselves for there is a sound of abundance of rain. And that's what Elijah said. He said, you know what? You get your chariots ready because you're going to not be able to get where you're going before the rain comes. So prepare yourselves for there is a sound of abundance of rain. And that's what God wants to do this weekend. You know, you might say, where is the cloud? And it was the size of a man's fist, the cloud that was rising up from the ocean. And we might say, well, what's that, what's that going to do? Because it only takes a little drop for God to start to do something. And then it builds and the cloud gets bigger and then he starts to pour out his rain. And I know that he wants to do that with us this weekend. And, but you know what? We have to be thirsty. We have to hunger after him and want God to do something. And so I just want to encourage us this weekend to, to let go of that stuff that everybody knows of what stuff you've got to let go of, don't we? Yeah? We know and say, God, I want your rain that's going to pour out on the dry, hard places like that picture I showed you. It's all crusty and musty, you know, and it looks like nothing can grow. But when you have just let go and let God in and then he pours out his spirit on you, you're going to spring up new life. And behold, I do a new thing. See it? Do you not perceive it? Watch it spring up. So ladies, we're going to have a good weekend. Amen. Can we just stand and praise the Lord for a minute? I just want to um, and just ask, I know where supper's waiting and the men folk are out there, but I just want to ask if there's, just as we're standing, Sarah, can I have you up here for a second? If there is anybody that's here tonight and you're going, you know what, I just, I just have a whole lot of stuff and I just want to get rid of it right here and now. Right here and now. And I want to make room for God in my life because I am thirsty and I am hungry. 
And when we are like that, that is the best place we can be to receive because when we're thirsty, then we cry out to God to do something. And it's like, not about me. It's not about us. It's about Jesus and more of him in our life. And, you know, I've been in that place where I'm like, God, I'm hungry and thirsty. I'm sick of me. I'm sick of me. And you might say, oh, well, I'm sick of me too. And God wants to do a new thing in our life. So I encourage you tonight, if that's you and you're thinking, I just want to get rid of some stuff and lay it all at the foot of the cross. Just give it all to you, Lord, so that I have room in my life to receive. But I'm going to encourage you to just come up the front. We don't have to pray and lay hands unless God asks me to. Just to say, God, I choose tonight that I am just going to get rid of stuff to make room for you. Because he said, prepare yourself for there is an abundance of rain. If you've got places in your life where it's hurting, you've got places where it's disappointment, or you know that God has called you and chosen you and, and going, how can I do the things that you've asked me to do? Then I encourage you to just step forward and say, God, here I am. I need you more. So we're going to pray and she's going to play. And uh, if that's you, I encourage you to come forward and just prepare your life for what God is going to do this weekend. Lord, we just thank you that you are such an awesome God that you have a plan and a purpose for each one of us. Not our plan, Lord, but yours. And we come before you and we humble ourselves and we surrender, Lord, and we give you our lives afresh. Just as you come, I just want you to, just to talk to God and say, Lord, I give you my past. I give you my hurts. I give you my disappointments. And I make way for you, Lord. Just cry out to God. He says that if you are thirsty, that he will pour out waters of living, rivers of living water upon us. Come, Holy Spirit. Just talk to Jesus. You know, he's our comforter and he loves us. And he sees everything anyway. Holy Spirit, I ask that you bring to mind those things that we just need to move out of our life and give to you. That we would surrender those things to you. Come, Holy Spirit.